come to find that forgiveness this morning. And we pray that you'd meet us there in your word and by your spirit. Lead us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. God's rest for God's people. God's rest for God's people. We're in the middle of, of, of two different series, and uh, we were in, I believe, Tim finished that last week, and, and we'll, we'll continue a new series that I'll let him tee up for you next week. And so this week, we're looking at God's rest for God's people. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to Hebrews chapter 4. And on your way there, um, let me say this. I don't know if you, if you, if you share this. Uh, I'm thinking I have a hunch that you might. There is some nostalgia. Did I say that right? Nostalgia uh, with, uh, with wanting to sort of go back in time a little bit. Have you ever wished you, you were in a different period of time? You know, maybe, certainly want to have electricity, right? I mean, to, to want anything beyond that, and you're just kind of weird. But if you wanted to go back a little bit, right, and have some some differences... Um, that'd be great. So for me, um, I, I wish that we could just kind of lose, I wish, we did, I wish we weren't as connected, right? I, I wish that um, I didn't know what was happening in Uzbekistan if I wanted to, right? There's, there's something, I remember my first BlackBerry and uh, BlackBerry Messenger, I don't know if that resonates with anyone, and that was such an exciting time when we had sort of instant messaging happening and my, my AOL instant messenger, and, and those are great things. But, but especially now, it just seems like, wouldn't we be better off if we could sort of uh, limit the amount of connection that we have with everybody? Okay, you hermit crab, stop living back there, right? Some of you might say, I want to go back, want to go back. Well, in a, in a very, in, in a much more threatening way, the author to the Hebrews is saying, you all are tempted to go back, right? You're tempted to return to some of those tried and true methods of connection with God. They've worked. It's kind of been like that favorite sweatshirt or pair of pants, I don't really have one of these, but I think that's what a lot of people have. And so it's like, I just want to put the cozy thing on. That's, how, that, that's, what, that's what I know feels right and normal. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, while tempted to do that, I have something better for you. Better. They were tempted to return to that Jewish system. And therefore, the whole letter of Hebrews is this. Christ is better. Jesus is better. And this morning, we're going to look at God's rest for God's people in Jesus is better than any other version you've thought of before. He's going to show us the superiority of the gift of rest offered in Christ, much greater than any other tried and true method we thought that we could put on and experience. So let's read that this morning, Hebrews chapter 4, uh, verses 1 to 13. Therefore, the promise of entering his rest still stands. Lest, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but 
the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest. As he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage, he said, they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news, the gospel, failed to enter because of disobedience, again he appoints a certain day, today, saying, through David, so long afterward, in the words already quoted, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works, as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter the rest, so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed in the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would, you would expose us today for all the faulty ways that we pursue rest and find ourselves restless. Work it into us so that we can enter it in Jesus' name. Amen. Enter God's rest. That, that's the point this morning. Enter God's rest. That's the banner under which this entire sermon hangs. This is the point. Enter God's rest. And you say, well, Skylar, that, that sounds pretty simple, almost simplistic. Well, that's, that's what the Bible says, so you can go on your merry way. No. Enter God's rest. But the, the, the problem is that we don't. We don't. In fact, we have turned the gift of rest into a burden. We've turned the gift of rest into a burden. Has anyone here ever clamored to find rest? Has anyone uh, been, been tired as they rested? You see, cultural versions of rest are what? Binge watch a TV show. Retirement. When you finish your to-do list. Or when a celebrity has burnout and they go to rehab. Rest is at the end of you. <laughs> and therefore, it's something that we all claim that we want. Is anyone here ever humble, bragged over their to-do list? Oh, I got a, got a lot to do today, you know. Or your students, I'll hear my students, they'll say, yeah, well, you have this test. Well, I have 15 tests, and they're all due yesterday. You know, we, we don't find rest until we're relaxed. And that's not the truth. We, we don't find peace until we practice rest. All right, so, so we miss it. I want you to hear that you miss it. I miss it. Yet the command remains, enter God's rest. And we're going to see three levels of that this morning. Three levels. I'm going to show them to you. The first level is that we must enter God's physical rest. Second, his patterned rest. And last, 
his final rest. So we must enter his physical rest, his patterned rest, and his final rest. And I hope you'll see that they actually do begin to deepen as we move along in the passage. And, and chances are, if you've not read this passage in a while, you're like, what did I just read? Like it was, his argument ran more like a circle than it did, than it did a story or some prose that Paul would give us. So the, the points taken here are kind of a, uh, a bringing together of different points made in the passage. So I'll, I'll try to direct you that way as we move toward it. So first, if we're going to find the rest that we most crave, yet we, mo- yet we forget almost all the time, we have to first enter the physical rest of God. I don't know if you saw this in verse 2 and 3, but we see the words, uh, the, the rest that was offered to them that they failed to reach. And then in verse 6, it says, Therefore rest remains for some to enter, those who formerly received it. It begs the question of who is he talking about? And then it becomes clear in verse 8, whose name is given? Joshua. The writer of Hebrews is, is hearkening to that story that, that actually is told in Numbers 14. When that first Exodus generation, maybe you remember this from, from Sunday school. When, when God saved his people and he's, he promised to give them a land. And that promise dated all the way back to, to Abraham. Remember, we actually read about that last week. It was a physical rest for his people. And yet they grumbled. Remember, remember they're like, God, if, if Moses, if you just would have left us there, it, it would have been way better than this trek in no man's land to a supposed promise of physical rest. And yet that was, that was point number one. So it makes us ask, what's so special about physical rest? Like, to what, I mean, what good is that? Okay, that's not very rhetorical. You understand exactly what, what, what the gift of it was. The people were under slavery. And nothing is more dehumanizing, depersonalizing. Nothing rips you of who you are in God's image than that of reducing you to a product, an object, or an entity. That's base level dehumanization, okay? And yet, they had grown so accustomed to being related to the, the lowest thing that they could be and therefore pined for it over against a physical rest offered to them. So what does this teach you and I? It teaches us this. Our worth is not our work. Our worth is not our work. We are not the sum of our production, our ability to accumulate power, and we are not what we can produce This is Christianity 101. You've heard this message before, but it's here. It's here given to those people who are tempted, right, to to go back to the former ways of of relating to God. And instead of finding physical rest, they'd rather be consumed by the thing they were given to thrive under. So for you and me, we must cease from the neurotic physical behaviors that we do what are they? You see, the values at play in a system that dehumanizes people in that way, I've already mentioned them, are productivity and power. And I don't know about you, but I think those are two high values that we live under today. Right? It, what you can do and, and 
to whom you're connected or uh, what relationship you have to someone of influence, that, that is a lot of who you are. And we're taught that as we enter God's physical rest, that we are not the sum of our work, but so much more. And therefore, we must cease from these just compulsive behaviors that we're under. As a point of application, I think about, I think it'd be good for, for us all to consider what work we do. Like, what do you do on a weekly basis? And for me, since uh, for the most part, except for uh, at least one day a week, um, it's usually pretty uh, sedentary. You know, I'm just kind of um, on my computer, or I'm sitting over here, or I'm talking with someone uh, here. And, and I guess all I want to say is, if you're going to find rest, you, you likely need to do something physically different than what you do during the week. All right? So rest for me is not going to be sitting, scrolling. I'm not, that's going to leave me more tired. I need to use a different part of my body, a different part of my brain, and that is where I'm going to find refreshment. So what do you do for, for most of your week, and in what ways can that be switched so that you can actually find the physical refreshment that God gives you? Connected to this physical refreshment is this idea of social rest. I think you've probably heard that thread when, with, with slavery and the social system of Egypt and Israel. And I think it's just a simple point to say that what is your social situation like at work? Or maybe, maybe you don't work anymore, right? So if you're a salesperson who's constantly with people, chances are you're going to be refreshed if, one, you're with people that give you something or you're not with people. And those of you that, let's say, you're not around many people, rest is likely going to be involved time spent with other people. I know there's, you know, there's ways that that's going to be adjusted as, as a result of, of COVID, but Nevertheless, we must enter God's physical rest. It was promised to them then, them then. And it remains step one for you and I today. Second, we must enter God's patterned rest. Patterned rest. Verse 4 and verse 10. Maybe you heard this as we were sort of rifling through. The writer of Hebrews evokes now the, the creation story. Verse 4. For he somewhere has spoken on the seventh day. God rested on the seventh day from all his works. Verse 10. Whoever entered God's rest also rested from his works as God did. You remember that story? Genesis chapter 2. God created the world. And, and what did he have to say about the world he made? Very good. Beautiful. Satisfying. Finished. And he rested. Was God tired? Of course he wasn't. Students always ask me, can God make a rock that he can't move? No. Sorry, that was a random tidbit. But you need to know that that would, that would just cut against the integrity of God. Anyway. Anyway. So he rested from his works. I was thinking he could be tired if he made a huge rock. You know, but of course he wouldn't be. He wasn't tired is my point. And therefore, why did he do it? To give God's people rhythm. And this is what we learn from level two, that rest requires a pattern, a rhythm. It cannot be sporadic if we want to find the rest God commands that we would have otherwise. You see, Jesus, you might remember when he came along uh, and he says, he says these words from Mark 2, 27. 
The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. What is he saying there? He's saying that the Sabbath is a gift to you. It it is not at all to be a burden for you to somehow carry. It's like he's made this most delicious chocolate pie that we refuse to eat, or whatever your sweet craving is. Truly, Sabbath is a gift of God for the people of God. And yet, what we do in our hearts is twisted. Remember how they rebuked Jesus for healing someone on Sunday? Or Saturday, actually? And they were missing the whole point. They were, they were turning the gift into a mechanism to relate to God, to, to, to be right with God. And God said, you're already right. I've already rescued you. I've already pulled you through the Red Sea. Now I'm giving you a gift to relate to me well. If you needed a definition to sort of help you, if, if you're one of those types of people, here's one for that pattern, rest. Dis- is a discipline of regular, uncluttered time. Regular, uncluttered time and space to deal with God and enjoy His goodness. It teaches us that, that we need a rhythm of it. Isn't it, isn't it don't you find it strange that it, the fourth commandment is the one that we don't have a problem breaking? We don't murder. We're usually pretty good about that. We don't steal. We know it's not a good idea to commit adultery or lie or covet our neighbor's stuff. But man, to heck with command number four. In fact, it's one of the few only commands that, that, is, that is put positively. You're right? Do not, do not, do not keep. Why is that? You sleep nearly a third of your life. You were designed. In fact, you can't resist it. You can You can take a lot of drugs to try to thwart it, but your body will actually shut down, despite your best intentions not to. Maybe you've experienced that. You were made for this pattern of rest. And as I think about ways that that we can can experience a pattern, um, the first place, as I think about relating to students and families, and really all of us, is there must be a reduction in technology in our lives. Like if, if we're going to have a pattern, there's got to be a pattern uh, with, with, with somehow unplugging ourselves from some of these things. You see, the culture has turned rest, or excuse me, the pattern of work to rest from toil to leisure. You catch me? Toil, tireless, unproductive work. Leisure. Nothing productive comes from it. And yet the pattern is work that actually produces something good for you, your family, your neighbor, and the world, and rest. Something that restores your soul and your relationships. So for me, it, it, it really involves some sort of technological abstinence. Something that limits, like I mentioned at the top, my connection with so many people. And so maybe that's helpful for you. As you think about a pattern, as you think about a rhythm that you want to develop, remember one, it's not, you don't rest when you're tired or just finished of resting. If you want to actually be restored in your rest, you will have to make decisions to stop something and find the harmony that God has given to you. Last level is that we would enter God's final rest. So he commands us to to enter my rest. 
says, first, there's a physical rest to be had. There's something about being an embodied person that God has made with all its blemishes and flaws, being grown and sanctified in Christ and one day glorified with a new body. There's something physical about you that needs to stop. Second, there must be a pattern to it. Right? If we're actually going to have our, mm, something restored in us, it can't be the mantra, I'll sleep when I'm dead. You won't sleep. And finally, we must enter this final rest. Maybe you caught this, but the word rest is all over this passage. And then when we enter the, the, toward the end, I think it's verse 9. So then there remains a Sabbath rest. All of a sudden, a new word is used. And, it, and it's invoking yet again that Old Testament festival, that celebration, that, that appointment on the calendar of God's people to celebrate, to party, if you will, to revel in the goodness of God for God's people. And this is where it begins to move forward. You see, if Jesus is the greater rest, the, the pattern that is given to us uh, through Moses and Joshua and David is incomplete. And so the writer has some sort of forward thought in mind when there's just going to be this festival, this banquet of rest. Have you heard about it? Revelation 21, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And I saw a holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. What makes weddings fun? Man, you eat and you dance. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And he will be their God. He will wipe away every tear they've ever cried from their eyes. And death will be no more. There'll be no mourning, no crying, no pain. Former things have passed away. There's a promise of rest that yet remains. And it's into the future. So those of you who are hearing this message and you're like, Skylar, I'm not building a business anymore. I don't, I don't think I'm plagued with, with some of the rat race uh, things that you describe." May this be of comfort to you and even challenge. The writer is saying, still strive for a rest that, that comes to the future. In what way can you anticipate it? Today. That's what we're doing. We're, we're practicing. This is rehearsal practice for what life will be like forever. When the one who's purchased rest will come fully and finally. Jesus gives us rest that neither Moses nor Joshua nor David could ever find. And we'll begin to close here as we look at these last passages. You've probably seen these words, these, these last 11 through 13, and you've heard about the word being sharp and, and two-edged sword, and it's a great passage. And you wonder, what in the world does it have to do with rest? And yet again, another image is given. But all are naked, not hidden from his sight. Another picture of Adam and Eve. Right? You remember, God made them, and they, and they were naked. It was both actually true, and it was symbolically true. They were before God, totally unashamed. Imagine if we were all naked right now. You're supposed to laugh at that. That would be terrible and entirely shameful. You get that. That's a visceral reaction. 
Our first parents, they, as, soon as, they, uh, as soon as they were given space from God, what did they choose? They chose to be their own saviors and lords, and immediately they began to cover themselves. And they, they hid from God. If you want to find the rest that God has for you, there has to be a spiritual nakedness exposed in you. It's painful. The rest that God has isn't something that we just continue to search out and find, but it's something that the Word of God actually does to you and me. Has that happened in your life? Have you been exposed to the core? Right? Have, have, have you been found out, maybe not publicly and in that way, but has the Lord worked in your heart through His Word that you feel naked before Him and yet not ashamed? You see, the hard work is something that happens to us when this word pierces us and, and reaches into the depths of our motivation. It begins to expose what we're really about, the fig leaves of our lives that we cover up. Why are you so adamant not to, to date someone who's beautiful? Why are you so um, consumed with that promotion? What about um, that paper not being perfect? Can you not sleep at night? Folks, these are your fig leaves. These are the ways that you cover up the motives for, for the work that you have. And the gift of God's word is that he exposes this. And the only way that you're going to find rest is to realize you're restless apart from him. We like to blame our parents, blame the culture, blame our decisions. Anything that moves the spotlight off our hearts. And the word of God is, is, is that sword coming in. There's a word there in verse 13 that says, and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we all must give an account. That word has a very specific meaning. It means to take an animal and stretch its neck out. Gruesome, grisly. And with this image of the sword it means nothing less than to slaughter. And this passage doesn't keep going, but as you know well, the story of the scriptures keep going. And there was one, right, who he had perfect rest with God. There was no anxiety ever to be found in the Trinity, and he left it so that he could be plagued with your fears, your anxiety, your sicknesses. And yet, earn perfect rest for you. I want you to hear this. Like God doesn't just forgive you that you don't rest in him. He's actually already received all the rest from the most obedient man who ever lived. And therefore, your privilege then is to find it with him. Not to be burdened by it, but to receive it as a gift. Our Savior was exposed entirely. And, and killed and exposed and killed for us. He says, come to me and I will give you rest. Come to me and I will give you. Jesus is rest. There's a song that I was listening to recently by Need to Breathe. And here's a lyric. While I'm on this road, you take my hands. Somehow you really love who I really am. I push you away, yet you still will not let me go. You grow your roses 
in my barren soil. Who am I? Who am I? Who am I? To be loved by you. Have you been stripped of your fig leaves? Have you found that it is astonishing that even though you stand naked before your maker, that he doesn't hide his face from you, and yet he still moves toward you? This is how we find rest. Will you enter it? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have not only made a way to rest, but you have been rest for your people. So, Lord, we want to be faithful to this command that we so quickly neglect, that we so quickly think is not for us. And instead, we, we, we're fine with leisure. We're fine with burnout. We're fine with things that leave us just more exhausted. The voice that, that, that creeps deep within and, and tells us that we're cowards and we're not perfect and we're, and, and we're messed up. And, and so we run, we run. And we clothe ourselves with insufficient means. So, Lord, we don't repent of our sins only today. We repent for the reasons that we do good things. And we ask that you'd move toward us as you always have in your son, Jesus, whose name we pray.